You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, man? Yo, big shout-outs to the city of Chicago for St. Patty's Day this weekend. Dude, this city tears it down on St. Patrick's Day. I'm telling you, man. Yo, it, it was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of, and I've been a part of a lot of crazy stuff in, in, in since college, but you, you don't know what St. Patty's Day is like in downtown Chicago until you, you've had to experience it, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked to hear that Chicago has better parties than Saginaw, Michigan. Jeez, that's shocking. That's shocking. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yo, I saw, like, I saw uh, someone vomiting on the street at 11 a.m. yesterday. I was literally on my way out to meet some friends, and this kid's literally puking. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I saw a leprechaun run down the street uh, chasing somebody. Um, the Dude, the police were into it just as much as the, the people. Uh, it, it was wild. It's, it's just something that everybody has got to do at least once in their lives if they like to party and drink. Yeah, absolutely. I used to I used to get it in on St. Patrick's Day pretty well, but uh, not so much anymore. So, well, I'm glad to hear that you uh, enjoyed the uh, the revelry there, Rob. And uh, mm. I hope you had a, I hope you had a wonderful time. But uh, we just spoke on Friday, so obviously not too much personal catching up to do this week. But uh, we have another episode for the people. Our, our regular format, you know, we did our World Series of Bowling preview or, or halfway preview on Friday with Mike Flanagan. And uh, we wanted to bring the people a regular episode this week. And, uh, Rob, we're going back to back to back on them. You know, trifecta of Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famers. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so this week we uh, we have another guest for the people, and we think this is going to be a really good interview. Uh, we welcome our guest. He is a 13-time PBA titleist, 11 career standard titles, and two major titles. 2007-2008 USBC Masters and the 2011-2012 Tournament of Champions, 2011-2012 PBA Player of the Year, two televised perfect games. Uh, we welcome Sean Rash. Sean, how are you doing tonight? Hey, guys. I'm doing great tonight. How are you? Well, Rob's doing all right. I mean, he's <laughs> in downtown Chicago today, so I have a feeling I'm not doing the interview with Rob tonight. I have a feeling I'm doing the interview with Mike tonight. Yeah, Rob. Rob's probably uh, feeling it a little bit from his experience yesterday. I would imagine. You know, I drink. I, I drank a lot of water. I uh, woke up. Actually, went to the gym this morning. So you know, I'm learning from my from my errors of the of the past of youth. But uh, yeah, right, I was hurting. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you got up and went to the gym this morning, you didn't really get it in all that hard yesterday. So let's let's just put that out there. Yeah, yeah he went to Starbucks and got back to his hotel. Yeah, if you're really if you're really getting it in, there's no way you're getting up for the gym the next day. I mean, you should wake up the next day feeling that like you don't even know how you ended up in your bed to, from the night before. So, I don't I don't know what your definition is, but no, see, but yo, if you start early, see that's the, the the key to this. You start early enough, you know, you're hurting way late in the night, like almost like you speed up the process and then you're good to go Sunday. So, okay, gotcha. Well, Sean, we want to uh, we want to welcome you all, man. We want we appreciate your time tonight, and uh, we can't wait to ask you about uh, some things that that we hope the the listeners out there enjoy. 
And uh, we wanted to start off, you know, w- one thing that people know about you generally is uh, you grew up in Alaska. And, you know, Rob and I just thought that was, so, that was such a, a unique experience. We wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, what your, were, what your impressions were of growing up in Alaska and, and how, how you got into bowling there and uh, generally just what it was like. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, 17 years of my life growing up in Alaska uh, where, you know, in the middle of the summer you would go to bed light out and you'd wake up and it was light out and then you know opposite in the winter time where you never even saw the sun um you know three four hours of daylight so uh just a unique experience for anybody that's ever been up there some of the most beautiful country in the united states uh with the mountains and the ocean and just the wildlife in general but uh don't really miss it a whole lot i mean i still got quite a few of friends up there but now that my parents have retired and moved about 15 minutes away, um, family is everything to me. So now that my family's close, uh, you know, we'll hopefully get back up there in the future. But uh, a lot of bowling, um, you know, did a lot of fishing in the summer, played baseball for the, the couple months of the year that we were allowed to play. But uh, other than that, not much else to, to do up there for me. Uh, my family was all in the bowling, and, and that was about it. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, did – did growing up in Alaska in that environment, do you think that that led you to spend more time in the bowling alley and, and which in turn led you to become a better bowler? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, love to ice skate and, and play football. And uh, if I was going to play football, I was going to be the one that wanted to hit somebody or play the quarterback. And But uh, just got in the way of bowling, you know, in the winter months. And I uh, didn't skate at all. I uh, was afraid to to fall down really more than anything. Um, even though it wasn't that hard to do, just I'd rather bowl and, and play baseball for the couple months a year that I could. Um, so it was one of those things. I lived uh, about a block, two blocks from the high school and three blocks from elementary school and about a half a mile from the bowling center. So I could bike. I used to take my bicycle to the bowling center and just put the two ball bag on top of the handlebars and bike back and forth to the, to the bowl in the morning and night. Yeah, so that's uh that's awesome. I when I was uh, a teenager, I used to uh take the bus with with one of my two ball bowling bags and and uh you know, the bus would drop me off like down the block from the bowling alley and I would just walk the block to the bowling alley in Philly a couple times when uh, I didn't have a ride to go practice. So yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. But uh yeah, yeah so I would Sean, take the buffalo ball thing every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh we we've known you for a long time. Like we Rob and I know you a little bit. We don't know you all that well personally, but we've known you bowling wise for, for quite a while. And we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but before we, we talk about the background of how we know you, you know, we understand and we know that you've been a really talented, good bowler who has uh, captured the spotlight for a really long time. And uh, you know, all bowlers and every bowler that we have on here, we like to ask them, you know, uh, every bowler has legendary stories from before they were even known of things they did, whether it's record setting series or great tournament performances that people didn't expect from them at a young age, something like that. So go into your history as an up and coming bowler before you were really known before you even hit the college scene or, uh, or the, or the top level junior bowling scene. What, what were some uh, performances that really that you feel like helped you build your legend of who Sean Rash was? 
Wow, what a great question. Um, I, you know, growing up in Alaska, there wasn't a whole lot of kids that would uh, travel down to the lower 48 and compete in, you know, the junior events uh, back in the early 90s, late 90s, you know, early 2000s until junior gold started. So um, I represented the state of Alaska for four out of five years for the back then called the Coca-Cola National Championships, um, mm-hmm. where they would take one player from each state. Uh, That started in 96, uh, 97, 98, and then 2000. Um, My first junior gold was in 98, uh, where we flew straight to Reno from Guatemala. I was uh, one of the four selected junior players at both Team USA trials. Uh, Back then, before junior Team USA, you had to pull the adult Team USA trials. And uh, so I bowled in Guatemala. We flew straight to Reno for the first ever – whatever you call it, junior goal back then, 98. And uh, it was just one of those unique experiences. Got to win a team medal and uh, with Sean Evans and, uh, God, who are the other two? Uh, God, it's been so long. I can't even think of it. I just remember Sean Evans because he was throwing a tombstone off the corner. But, um, yeah, it just those are really – and then I shot 300 when I was 13 in 1996 uh, on a Friday night on the – at the time, BPAA Mendez Doubles Championship event. Uh, and that was kind of my first big event that I bowled as a kid. I was 12 years old or 13 years old, and I qualified to go to North Kansas City Pro Bowl in 96, and uh, something I'll never forget. So those were really were the things that I did as a kid uh, before I got the junior gold and started bowling those events and figured out what it was like to bowl against the best youth players in the world. Rob, did he just give us the perfect answer to, to, to what we want to ask him or what? Yo, I like to figure out who the other people on that junior team USA in 98 were. We may have to throw that out to Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, go, while, while we're talking here, Google that. See if you can look that up. It can't be that hard to find. I'm pretty but, sure uh, the third, one of the guys was James Kowalski. I know that I got to go because Mike Fagan declined. I think he broke his wrist or hurt his wrist that year. Um. So I was actually the alternate through that. And I'm trying to think of who the fourth was. All right, let me the, – the name might come yeah, up in the, in the next question that uh, that we want to ask you. So you, you already brought it up, the, the 1998 Junior Olympic gold, right? To, to Rob and I, and especially me, this is like a, a historical event at this point because it was the first Junior Olympic gold, which has now become kind of this, this huge behemoth of a junior tournament. But uh, in 1998, you know, it, it was really a display of the best talent that, that junior bowling had to offer from really across North America, I would say. Uh, you know, at that time, Sean, uh, you were about 15. I was 18. I went to that tournament as well. Rob didn't go, but I actually went out to that tournament with a whole contingent of JBT guys. It was myself, uh, Tommy Haig, Joe Paluzic. Ryan Snyder was actually the one guy from our group that made the top 16 that year. Uh, Mike Fagan was out there with us, Don Pyle. There were a few other guys as well whose names I'm probably forgetting. But uh, at that time, Sean, you know, there were a few nationally known junior bowlers who who were really good. And we knew Rory Kalanquin at that time. We had seen him bowl. We had seen Andrew Kane at that point bowl. We had seen Brian Hatcher. But I got to tell you, man, like, we had not seen Sean Rash at that up up to that point. 
until that 1998 Junior Olympic gold. And, yeah, like the first time we saw you throw a bowling ball, we were all just like, holy shit, man. Like he throws it really good. And uh, you threw it really hard and you, you threw it really straight but you, you really revved it up a lot. And, uh, yeah, we went to that tournament, and you ended up bowling really well there. And, yeah, I, I certainly remember that as a time that, as a junior bowler, that put you on the map. You know, and you ended up making Junior Team USA at that first Junior Olympic gold, I believe. Then we discovered that you were 15. And it was like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. So, you know, to me, that, that, that event definitely sticks out so go ahead rob sorry to bust in i got some breaking news here fresh off the junior usbc website boys division uh rory calanquin led that's a shocker right kid led everything uh yeah. brian hatcher christopher jones uh brian Fugel, yep. robert young Derek oaf jason stansel bernard bilod jr sean rash andrew kane that was the top 10 yeah yeah, I didn't make the team the first year. I had just missed. Uh, Mike Fagan actually did go with me to Guatemala. It was someone else. I can't remember who it was. But, yeah, Rory Calicman, I met him in 96 at Coca-Cola. And um, now that we're of age, uh, he taught me the game of AC Ducey and a bunch of other junior <laughs> players and collected a few dollar bills uh, through the night um, while he was beating us all in, in bowling. But, uh, yeah, what a what a great bowler he was out of the state of Michigan, and I won't ever forget the first junior gold. Uh, guys struck a bunch. Um, I was just happy to be there, and uh, you know, just missed the team. They took the top six by score, and then I made the team of the next year, the year after. But uh, a good a good event when you were younger and when it first started, for sure. Yeah, uh, you you won. You eventually won junior gold, right? In 2003? Yeah, I won in 2002 for the year of 2003. Uh, beat Mike Ramaklis in the title match in Florida. Uh, I probably, after I beat someone else in the semis, I remember making the 8-10 the very first frame of the game, and I kind of ran away with it after that. But uh, so many yeah. different stories of junior gold and everything else of what they did right and what they've done wrong, and uh, it's definitely a good thing so far. Yeah, I have a, I'll, I'll share a story from the 1998 Junior Gold since you shared a story that we can now tell that since we're uh, of age adults, I'll share one too with you, Sean, and listeners. Uh, 1998 Junior Gold, I was my birthday was over that tournament. I was turning 18, and uh, my dad was the kind of guy who was a very liberal guy and felt like when you turned 18, you were kind of becoming a man. So when I got back from uh, from our bowling that day, and I believe we most of us were done bowling at that point, and Ryan Snyder was the only one who was who was bowling the final, so we were just hanging out for the for the rest of the weekend. And uh, when we got back to my hotel room, my dad had left us a couple cases of beer to uh, celebrate my birthday <laughs> with. So so we ended up having some beers, and uh, and and you know we were feeling no pain. So our next idea was to call a a uh, a dancer to come out to the room and entertain us for the night. So we, I'm not going to say who, who called the dancer, but we called the dancer and we had this young, attractive lady come out to the room and uh, she entertained us with her services. And uh, yeah, actually two of the chaperones that were with some of the guys we were hanging out with caught us in the room uh, with the entertainer and that didn't go so well. 
And I'll also say, I'm not going to put their name out there, but there was one person, my, the hotel room we were in, you could see the National Bowling Stadium from the hotel. And one person, while they were being entertained by this young lady, uh, they were paying more attention to the National Bowling Stadium than they were to this young lady. And to this day, they still, they still don't live that down. And I'm not, I, I won't give the person name just yet, maybe at a later time. But, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, – interesting great memories from from junior bowling and uh that was really where you you came on our radar sean for sure in in terms of the guys like rob and i who bowl jbt's coming up and uh and we're from the east coast so you know you definitely made an impression on us at, at that event uh sean a couple years down the road after that uh we all got to know you through college bowling right everyone knows your your background your history you you rep it really well, uh, you know, on tour with the with the black and yellow when you when you want to show your uh, affiliation with WSU there. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about your college bowling experience. Uh, any anything that sticks out or what sticks out to you from your college bowling career that you that you uh, want to discuss? Yeah, college was great. Um, a lot different for me than what you guys did at Saginaw on the East Coast, of course. Um, you know, the the no drinking policy kind of sucked. I uh, didn't really live the life of college that some people live. But, uh, you know, I respected what Gordon and Mark had there, and uh, it is what it is, and learned so much from those two individuals. But uh, a couple stories. First is after the first semester, I remember almost basically giving up and going to LSU to play baseball. Uh, I had an, uh, an off – I don't even know you what I want to call it – an off walk on contract to hey say, Hey, come out and play, we'll see what you got and I was like, Now I'm getting some school, you know, money here and things are good and, but I was so disappointed with how my game was and everything else that I was like, I'm just gonna stick through it. And uh, you know, I became a lot better player after those first six months at, at Wichita State, even though I felt my game go completely backwards. And then um I remember a couple years in, you know, we were always contenders but I pretty much called out a, a couple players on the team and said, look, you need to play a different role in the in the game for us to have any success at Nationals. And uh, I was going to leave again. That uh, I was like, I was just tired of someone else finishing the game that didn't want to be in that position. And uh, I felt like myself or someone else could have been in a better, you know, do a better job of it. And, um, you know, we found a way to win in 2003, which I'll never forget. And, one of the things that a lot of college players don't have is a college championship. You know, you got four years and four cracks at it. So a lot of great schools went through when I did, you know, Derek Sapp won a couple times at Western, uh, you know, one of the, my competitors now on tour that we bowled uh, um, against at Saginaw, you know, Bill O'Neill and Fagan and, uh, you know, Ronald Page was a couple years behind us, but a lot of great college bowlers that are now on tour uh, that never won. And uh, one of the things I can say is I always have a, a championship at 2003 at Wichita State. Rob, that's a shot at you and Bill. Respond to that. <laughs> you know, Bill falling in that 10-pin shot uh, still haunts me because I feel like that was our chance to win. Uh, <laughs> um, I do remember the one match, though, we, we bowled Rash. I think that was the year that we actually beat them in the winner's bracket. Uh, I believe I crossed over seven out of eight shots out of the Bakers. And, Quite a uh, few, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remember him and um, I remember Rash more than anyone was. I mean, you could see the steam coming out of his ears because 
my coach comes over to me and says, Hey, do you plan on moving? I'm like, Dan, I've thrown six out of seven strikes. Like, why am I going to move? And I literally was just going Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, it was one of the uh, matches where we beat them, but uh, we ended up losing in the final four. I think it was actually that year. But correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, was that was the year that was actually in Wichita, wasn't it? No, I bowled. My first year was Grand Rapids, then Buffalo, and then I bowled in Tulsa in Tulsa. Uh, So the year you bowled in Wichita would have been 2000. Yeah, that was my freshman year. That wasn't the year then. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I, it's yeah. all a bit blurred out of me, but you know, um, yeah, I was actually I was actually at the nationals uh, in Buffalo. Rob was there as well. You were there, Sean, and uh, I remember in in that event. And you know, I, I don't know if you alluded to this in in your answer to the last question, but you know, at that event, you know, you guys were always looked at as one of the stronger teams. You always had so much talent and. Uh, that event in 2002 at nationals in Buffalo, you guys lost to Penn state in the losers bracket. And I remember that Nathan Bohr. Oh my God. More like Borophil. I remember that Nathan Bohr threw a gutter in that match and you guys ended up losing the Penn state in the losers bracket. And that, that ended your season. Uh, you know, I, what, what I took away from that was how could you not be anchoring that team? You, me, and a bunch of other people. Yeah, right. I mean, that was, uh, you know, but, at that you time. Know, you know. I was a second-year player, and I bowled when the coach told me I bowled. Right. And, uh, that's why we have coaches. And uh, But we won the next year. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I got a button. I got a button on this because <laughs> – I, I guarantee you that you never had your coach's wife pull you out of the lineup because that's what happened to me at St. Louis. Um, literally, my coach was sitting there and his wife walked over to him and said, yo, you got to get Rob out of there. And literally, I got pulled because the wife wanted me pulled. So that's a, a quick story for you. Yeah, shout out to my yeah, coach. Yeah, no, we didn't, I never had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> never had that happen. True. Yeah. But, uh, I, one of the things that I always thought about you guys at WSU when, when you were bowling, uh, college is that, you know, man, it doesn't look like those guys are serious. They're here to bowl. No question. And they are running to win all the time, but man, it didn't look like you guys had a ton of fun out there. I'll tell you that when you were bowling, it did, but yeah, the first not couple of years were tough. Yeah. yeah. So totally yeah. agree with you, man. It, uh, I wish I could have drank, you know, a little bit, had a little <laughs> bit more fun, but, you know, you learn some life lessons doing it different ways, and um, I never regret anything I've done, of course. But you, you look, you know, there's 2020. You could, I mean, I could have been a, an alcoholic, never made it to the PBA tour, and, you know, be working nine to five behind a desk and not talking to you two guys tonight. So, uh, you know, their leadership and guidance got me there to today. So, could have been, a, couldn't have been that bad, I guess. It's true. Oh, yeah, I, mean, true. I mean, you know, it's, it's true. always, uh, you were always looking at, at at your team as as the team that was there to take it the most seriously, you know, no question. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely I'm, interesting. Go ahead. I always, yeah, I was gonna say I always wondered if I would have like went to Wichita instead of Saginaw. I, I always wonder that to myself. I mean, I had a great time at Saginaw, but the bowler in me always thought that if I went to Wichita and I wasn't drinking and I 
had the coaching that Wichita had that Saginaw didn't have, that my bowling career might have been different, you know. So I, I you know, I, I would have rode the bench probably for a year or two because I think that's how Gordon kind of did his thing. I don't think he really ever had two freshmen start off the bat unless they were real special. Rash, I, I don't know if you could kind of talk about like that kind of, um, you know, what Gordon, how his coaching was. I kind of feel like you had to earn your spot and he, he didn't want to really put a true freshman in to like to for, from the beginning. No. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, when we did tryouts, my first year I finished 12th and uh, you know, the, for the few years prior to that, they only took the top 10 for the team. And I was like, Jesus, I just gave this up. I'm going to miss the team, this and that. But, you know, I had the resume going in and all the accolades and, I was supposed to be the new star in college bowling um, for Wichita. And everyone's like, oh, you're a shoe-in. And I was like, no, I'm no shoe-in. And uh, I remember fighting with players that, you know, I got picked over a couple other guys that deserved it. And, uh, you know, they saw something in me that they didn't see in a couple other guys that they thought I was worthy of being on the team. And, um, you know, our tryouts were a nightmare. Uh, hmm. They were brutally hard. And I remember bowling the very first game – we were just talking about this a few months ago where I started with the front six and bowled like 240-something. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? Tryouts being hard? Are you kidding me? And I ended up bowling like 5'10 for the three games. So, uh, you know, tryouts were brutal. College was brutal. Certain schools took it serious. Certain schools took it serious when it mattered. And, uh, you know, that was kind of like Western Illinois. They partied, had a bunch of fun. and But when it came down to business, that team was ready to play. And uh, that's why they had so much success there for a long stretch of time. Yeah, it's fun to uh, it's fun to review some of those uh, some of those junior bowling and college bowling experiences with you for sure, and uh, and hear it from your perspective Ooh, definitely. There's some good but, ones. Uh, yeah, Sean, we we also want to get into you with uh, obviously to your to your PBA career as well, and uh, you know a part of the history of your career is that uh, you went from qualifying through PTQ to winning your first title in your first show. Uh, and, and I believe this is when there was an exempt tour. So that title made you an exempt player for the following year. Um, can you talk about, you know, what, what that meant to you at the time? Yeah, it was huge. It basically got me my contract, uh, a full contract national player with Brunswick, even though I'd been with them for four or five years now on 17. Um, I wasn't given the spot to get into the PTU, uh, you know, I earned my way. I didn't have an exemption uh, like a whole bunch of other people did. Uh, I'm not going to say any names because everyone knows who they are. But, um, you know, there were some people that got more than one. Um, but, you know, I, I made it through. And that first year bowling, you know, the rabbits, I was alternate six or seven times. And it, uh, you know, it stung and it ate at me um, quite a bit. Uh, you, know, you bowl the TQR on Wednesday and you miss and you don't got nothing to do until the next Wednesday. So uh, let's just say there was a lot of uh, downtime and practicing and, and uh, learning if I was actually going to do it. So then I finally found a way to break through and um, it gave me a contract, like I said, guaranteed income. I bought a house. Uh, things were great. Uh, life was moving forward and uh, you know, the sky was the limit at the time. So, you know, 2006, uh, you know, February 12th, I believe, or 16th, the day I'll never forget, uh, you know, winning my first title and having my dad in the crowd who's, you know, my hero and my mentor. And, 
you know, just something I'll never forget. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine how that really just uh you know, must have been a huge weight off your shoulders to be able to win that title and gain that exemption at that time and uh and know that yeah, you were gonna bowl for a guaranteed amount of time for a living. So you you win that first title and then you go to kind of go through a streak where for a while you really couldn't lose on TV. Uh, you're, you're one of only two players to win a title in their first four TV appearances. What, what do you now looking back, what do you attribute that, that, uh, historical hot streak to? Uh, well, at first it was more of, and I still say to this day, you know, we're entertainers when we're on TV, we're supposed to put on a hell of a show and say what we want to say and do what we want to do. But, you know, I was enjoying it more than everybody else. I was like, shit, I'm not supposed to be here. Let's just have a good time. And uh, I did that for those first four shows. And then, uh, unfortunately, on the fifth show uh, in Wichita, when I had my first loss to Norm Duke at the World Championships, um, the solid nine and the seven ten kind of done me in. Otherwise, I bowl for the title again and break a couple more records. But I uh, was having a whole bunch of issues with uh, footwork that week, and that's where the box started and the anxiety and everything else and the nerves and the pressure from my peers and the pressure from sponsors and the pressure from the sport of trying to be this superstar that I wasn't supposed to be yet, uh, at 23, four years old. So, um, I just enjoyed it more than most. And, uh, you know, it took a long time to, uh, to figure it out. Yeah. It's interesting that you, that you end your answer that way. So, you you had a hot streak and and you just alluded to it and then and then you you definitely I think it's fair to say you had some mental struggles for a, a little while particularly on TV. Uh, your tournament of champions win in 2012 was actually your your first win since 2007 and you had a, a five year drought with 14 television appearances with no titles. Um, what I want to ask you is what what do you think? I mean we're both Rob and I are both fans of your career. A lot of our listeners are. We're familiar with your appearances on shows, et cetera. What to you was the climax or, or the height of those struggles in terms of, of that period? Well, again, I go back to after I had lost in Wichita, it was more of, all right, let's just get back on the show and do what we've been doing. And I was going without even winning games. I was putting pressure on myself that uh, to try to win before letting the outcome take care of itself. And, uh, you know, the bowling ball at least. And, you know, uh, you can only really focus on the process and not really worry about the outcome. If you take care of the process, the outcome takes care of itself. And uh, for, you know, three, four years there, I was just putting so much pressure on myself to beat everybody and win and find a way to make a show that I was struggling. And uh, there was no one that was going to be able to help me. I, you know, I, I'd listen to all of the greats, uh, Pete and Parker and Walter and Bo Burton and Johnny and uh, you name it. I was asking everybody for advice. Um, some guys were like, well, you should go have a drink before you get on the show so you can calm your nerves. And uh, I learned that I had some anxiety issues. Um, you know, I had learned that I needed to just go bowl instead of worrying about what the check and trophy was going to look like at the end of the tournament because they're just not going to give it to me. Um and uh, like I said, I, I was trying to put on too much of a show than actually going out there and performing and let the show take care of itself. Yeah, and you, you kind of just answered what my next question was going to be. You know, like what 
what helped you get through those struggles? Because you, you not only got through those struggles to succeed, but you got through those struggles to win player of the year. And, and obviously now are, are looking at, you know, uh, no doubt hall of fame induction, in, in, you know, at some time in the near future. And, and is that what you attribute it to? Just, just a, a greater concentration on your bowling as opposed to anything going on outside? Yeah, a little bit. You know, part of it was, hey, I'm good enough to be out here. You've already proven yourself multiple times. Just go out there and bowl and have some fun and let care, you know, let the bowling ball take care of uh, knocking the pins down, not your mouth and calling people out and everything else and whatever the case was. So um, it just, uh, you know, it finally it finally sunk in at the at TSC where everything went right. I was bowling extremely well that year, made a bunch of shows. Uh, at the World Series, where unfortunately didn't win any, but uh, put myself in position to win multiple times. Um, you know, one game crapshoots on TV. The best don't always win. We've seen that over the last couple of years. Uh, we've seen that this year alone with Belmo, with the domination. Where um, you know, this week coming up with the World Championships, you know, he's he's the number one seed again. Does he win? It's a one game match. Uh, bowling two lefties, I personally think he's supposed to because um, he has bowled so good in that building, won many times in it. I just think he's going to have a tough time. Um, you know, does he deserve to win? Absolutely. But you still have to go out there and perform. So, And every great player in our sport has gone through that um, over the last 25, 50, 70 years of our sport. You know, the best bowler doesn't always win. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too to see how he responds after. Uh, yeah, true. After uh, after some of the recent shows that he's been on, so uh, Sean, you kind of alluded to it. So so we're going to get into it uh, a little bit. You know, you you brought up some comments about the demeanor of the show, not only your demeanor on the show earlier in your career, but in general what the fans want to see. Uh, Bill O'Neill actually tweeted out some comments, and I know you're pretty active on Twitter. I followed you for a while on there, so. Bill O'Neill tweeted out some comments about the demeanor of the show and how the PBA needs to find a way to make it more uh, catering to the fans, I guess you could say would be a way to sum that up. But uh, what are your thoughts on the demeanor of the show? You know, what, what do you think should be, uh, should be the, uh, the demeanor here? Mike, Mike, I I think I know, I think I know what I'm going to cut in real quick. I think I know what he, what he, what he wants to say, you know, I mean, I mean, that's that's where it's at. That's what he wants to show is to be like, right, Rash? I mean, come on. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Rob, are, nah, are you suggesting that he just wants to, you know, openly swear and call everybody a bottle bitch on the show? I mean, I mean, I wish it was like that. I think that, you need but... to be your own person. I mean, it, it's one of those things. Should we watch our language? You know, that happened, God, seven, eight years ago now. Do I forgive using a curse word? Yeah, absolutely. Do I regret what I said? No, not at all. Um, because somebody needed to say to something to him at that time. He had been bugging plenty of people. He still bugs plenty of people. Uh, I still think people should be able to do whatever they want on the TV show. Um, he does plenty of his things, and nobody ever says anything. Um, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, people go to sporting events to be entertained, um, listen to what they have to say, listening to music, uh, walking, you know, around and seeing what's going on and getting autographs and stuff. So, uh, when I first made television, I remember being told, say whatever you want, 
do whatever you want. We need viewership. Mm. And over the last couple of years, it's been like, bowl good, please watch what you say, um, have a good time, good luck. And it's one of those, I'm not going to care what I say. I mean, the things that I've said, um, I'm probably saying it now that I'm not thinking through it a whole lot, but I'm going to say whatever's on my mind. Um, You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, and, and that's who I am. And if people don't like it, oh, well. If people like it, great, they're in my corner. So um, there's plenty of people on tour that want to say some things to other people on tour, especially when they bowl them on television, uh, just to show that, hey, I don't like you, or, hey, you're pretty damn good. And, uh, you know, it's a respect thing. I mean, I have all the respect in the world for every single player on tour, uh, young to old. Uh, Do I feel like the older generations – had a tough go over the last couple of years. Absolutely. But you know, we're going to keep bowling on the same thing every week. Um, every pattern we bowl on, um, they're going to keep having a tough go and you're going to keep seeing the same individuals on the show. Um, mostly the ones that throw with two hands and people throw it hard and have a high rev rate. It's just the way it is. It's been that way for five years. So yeah, you're not going to change it a whole lot. Sean, yeah. first of all, I, I mean, I'm a fan of, of your, you know, the, the way you carry yourself on the show. I think you, you bring some fire out there, which is always good. And listen, I agree with you, man. And Rob agrees with you too. I think I can speak for him that, you know, we, we, uh, we want to see that come out. The fans want to see that come out. If there's, if there's some kind of animosity between players out there, or there's some kind of history of a rivalry between the players out there and they want to really say something and get into it on the show, the fans want to see that. That should be brought out. That should be talked about. That's what bowling needs. There's two, when, when that's totally ignored or guys are out there, you know, acting as if they're, they're friends and, and it's, it, I'm, I guess I'll use the term fake sportsmanship, even though it's not. They are really showing sportsmanship, but they're not really letting their true feelings come out. Yeah, I think bowling would be a lot better off if, if they would let it come out. Uh, Rob, am I okay speaking for you on that? Yeah, hey, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm all about the, talk some shit I, I feel like that's what bowling kind of needs i feel like the best kind of matches to watch the most entertaining matches to watch are when two bowlers are i mean talking a little bit of shit getting in each other's faces i mean think about some action matches high roller days those are the best matches to watch when it was entertaining you know when it was you know new york versus texas or you know when the crowd was uh, you know half the crowd was from for new york and half of it was for texas but uh, Sean, let me ask you something here. Uh, the PBA, their uh, their reaction to this rivalry that you and Belmonte had for a while, um, were they on board with this rivalry, or were they kind of like, hey, like you guys need to squash this because it's interfering? Or I guess what you think, or, or what was their reaction to this? You know, they were the ones that kind of pushed it more than anything. And, you know, recently uh, Belmo put out that his biggest rival ever was EJ Tackett. And I don't consider anybody my rival because the lane's my rival. Um, they're some of my best, you know, biggest competitors ever. Yes, Belmo and EJ and Barnes and Tommy. And uh, there's, you know, Bill and a few other guys th- through my career and for the next 10 years of my career. But, you know, they were the ones that were kind of pushing it more than anything because we were friends. You know, we had traveled together. We had hung out together. Um, 
but he had done some things, and I called him out on it because um, nobody else had the balls to say anything. And the people that wanted to say it, I can't tell you how many people said, God, Sean, I'm so happy you did it because we just couldn't do it. And I've lost some friendships over it. And at the end of the day, I really don't care um, because it's an individual sport. Now, if these guys were going to go out and make us all a whole bunch of money, you know, millions of dollars, great. I'll learn to keep my mouth shut, do what they want to do. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, our rivalships out here, uh, they don't matter. I mean, there's plenty of good rivalries out here that that for years, you know, Pete and and Walter and Parker and and Pete and Parker and Walter and Barnes and Tommy and Mika and, and Barnes and Belmo and I and EJ and Bill and, and Fagan for a few years. So, um, you know, end of the day, it's, you're out there by yourself. You know, you talk about the, the trash talking events in the day and whatnot. I think all of it's okay until you get on the approach and then, you know, respect your competitor when they hit their shot and then say whatever the hell you want after that. So, Sean, um, what if, uh, what if during this interview, if I start doing this, are you going to like yell at me? Because, it just sounds like you're. I was just trying to drink a water real quick. That, that's. Yeah. Sean, uh, do you do you ask people to you guys refrain from drinking? Do you, do you do you ask people to refrain from drinking from plastic bottles in your presence? Now I could care less what they drink from or what they drink. Um, you, know, you gotta stay hydrated, right? But yeah, I'll, respect I'll, I'll tell you what though. If I'm ever watching you bowl and I'm in the back, I sure as hell won't be drinking from a plastic bottle. I can tell you that. I'm, not, I'm like a statue. Listen, I'm like, I, yeah, I can't tell you how many times people have done it to me since, and I just laugh. I mean, it's one of those, you're not going to affect me again, any kind of deal. I, I, I've i got enough issues in my own head to worry about that. So so do do people do people still bring the – I mean, we're joking with you, obviously, but we wanted to talk oh, about yeah, the, no, yeah, the show. Every, Every do, week, do man. Bring it up with you a lot. Every week. Oh, every every week. Well, yeah. I mean, it, just it kind of went on Instagram the other day. If I'm friends with uh, with them anymore, if it's over with, and I said, no, man, he does his thing, and I do my thing. Hey, listen, I watch a lot of bowling, Sean. I watch a lot of flow bowling. Whenever you two are bowling each other, I always take note of that match for sure. Uh, well, if Sean, I get snuck into the. Match play for the third day this next week. I would have bowled him the first round. I'm sure it would have been probably one of the most watched matches. True, absolutely. Uh, you you going back to your career just for a second. I know the, you know the the years get kind of murky on the PBA website just in terms of of when things were were rolling or not. But uh, basically, since 2013, there hasn't been a year where you've not won a title. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, just consistency, putting in the work, having great equipment, um, being one of the power players on tour. You know, last year was my toughest year on tour uh, in my entire career, earnings-wise, even though I was still number 12 in points, I guess, and it was my worst year. So um, a lot of people know this now because I've I've made it public that I – was injured almost the entire year last year. Uh, I pulled my piriformis muscle January, February, right before we started the season. And it's pretty hard to compete when you're 
left butt cheek and hamstring and lower back are about 10% of what you should be. And uh, I had gotten to a point to where I gained some weight. Uh, Now we've found a way to lose some of that weight, working out more, uh, uh, eating healthier, practicing differently, and just being in a you know better place uh, for the most part. Now there's still some things that are going on in uh, in my private life that are tough that I have to deal with, but that's everybody's you know objective and everything else. So um, it's just uh, you know, just consistency, practicing hard, and and being confident that I'm one of the best in the world because every time I show up, I feel like I can win. And uh, you have to have that mentality in an individual sport and. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get your, your face kicked in and, and not make many cuts and have many opportunities. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, Sean, so is it fair to call you like the king of the box? Is it fair to call you that? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, I had a bunch of TV shows with a bunch of them, but Barnes was the king of it to start, and then he kind of rubbed off on all of us Wichita State players. But um, you know, I've gotten pretty good over the last couple of years. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. If it doesn't feel right, then it's not going to go. And until they give us a uh, a fine or a penalty for it, then, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, now on television, I have paid a few dollars. Uh, for How much? Box, what's, the, but... what's the total? What's the total? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'll leave that no the listeners want to know. We want to know. Give us a round number. Yeah, a couple car payments uh, times a couple. So I'll leave it at that. (laughs) It's money that I could use back now that I have kids and diapers I got to pay for. True. So, Sean, do you do you like balk while you're doing other things in life other than bowling? Like, you know, when you no man. That like when you when you go to the grocery store and you go to like put the put the bags in the car, do you? stop in the middle of the transfer from the cart to the car and put it back in the cart and then do it again. <laughs> no, man, not at all. <laughs> That's what kind of question is that, Mike? I swear to God. I feel like I'm supposed to get well, a beer. You know, I mean, it, like, I don't know. I watch a lot of bowling, you know. These are the things I think about when I'm watching flow bowling late at night, hanging out, you know. I mean, oh I can picture these guys, you know, like when they get in the car, do they – do they not feel good about how they got in the car? They get out, they restart, and they do it again, get in the car again, start it up again. Like, all right, now I feel better about it. Okay. I, I right. could just see I could just see Gordon uh, at Wichita running, like, balk drills, you know, like <laughs> Barnes and Rash and all these Wichita. You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Sean, uh, you, you over the years, you know, we, we haven't asked any bowlers about this really because it doesn't come up. And, and, Rob, it's definitely a topic you and I want to get into. I know that. Maybe we can touch on it just a little bit here. You've had some really interesting sponsorships over the, year, over the years. Like one, one that comes to mind is Xbox. You were sponsored by Xbox for a little while, yes? Yeah. Like how, how do how yeah, some of your to... more interesting, uh, interesting sponsorships come about? Yeah, I've had two through the years. Um, one was Xbox and one was T-Mobile. And uh, it was all because of going to the ESPYs, um, you know, the top three or four bowlers on tour, you know, for God knows how long in the last 20 or 30 years uh, have been invited to the ESPYs. And I was lucky enough to go for a couple of years there and uh, met a young lady named Mary 
that worked for Xbox, and she was kind of doing some PR work for the SBs and football players and everything else, and said, hey, we'd love to get you involved in bowling. And uh, she was like, yeah, let me know what we can do. And I was just trying to get our foot in the door for our sport, and uh, that's kind of what I did. And she had transferred from Xbox for multiple years into T-Mobile, and when she went over to T-Mobile, she asked if I would like to have T-Mobile because now my, my tie-in with Xbox was gone. And I was like, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a couple of years of both was, was awesome. Uh, and now I have a great relationship with this with this lady. Um, her dad's a bowler. They live out on the West Coast. They come and watch us bowl when we're in Reno. And um, she's got some some other ideas now with who she works for uh, that we're going to try to do some things uh, in Lubbock um, and, and anytime I'm on the West coast. So, you know, we need some, some outside uh, sponsors. That's one of the things our sport has always struggled with. Um, Amen. You know, now that we're on, now that we're on Fox sports and they're selling our sponsorships and our ratings have been unbelievable and the push with what they've done with the playoffs and, and everything else so far these first three months, uh, who knows what's going to happen, you know, a multi-year deal with them and um, over the next three years. And if ratings are good and continue to be good, then hopefully we can get some outside sponsors like Xbox and T-Mobile and, and some beer sponsors and hotels and cars and, and phones and everything else you can think of. So that would be great. Mike, Agreed 100% Mike. Rob. If they get a big, I'm, I'm going on the record right now. If they get a big beer sponsor, and money starts rolling in, I'm dusting the shoes off. I'm getting the card. I'm coming on tour. I'll look, so you guys better look out because, you know. Well, then I, there will I, not only be the money from the beer sponsors. There'll be money from your extra entry in the prize fund. The, do, the that's donation. Correct. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> I, I will be more than happy finishing in the middle to the bottom of the pack every week, as long as I, my name is in, is in the back of the shirt and I could show people at restaurants my professional bowler association card. There you go. I mean, look, it'd be great to have uh, you know to finish tied thirtieth and make twenty five thousand dollars like golf is. Uh, <laughs> right. I I hope for you guys, man. I do. I hope be, before would... my career is over, it happens. Yeah, it would be amazing. Like you said, I, Sean, honestly, I think it's it's one of the smartest things we've heard thus far from from our interviews is, yeah, the PBA we and bowling in general, we need to attract better sponsors. And, uh, yeah, we're, it's definitely a topic that Rob and I plan to get into a little bit more deeply uh, later in the show when the tour is not so busy. But, uh, you know, perhaps we'll have you back on to uh, continue that discussion because I definitely think that yeah, no, I'm- you're – I'd love to help. I mean, the PBA knows how tough it is. The sponsors know how tough it is. You know, everyone's looking for ROI. You can only put so many people in a bowling center. Uh, We're only on so many TV shows. But, you know, the players have to step up a little bit, too, and and help do some outside things outside of a bowling center. You know, go to a, a function for those events and or take these corporate people to a bowling center and teach them how to bowl and and not ask for so much up front. You know, we need to get our foot in the door. And uh, unfortunately, you know, all the people that feel like they could do it or we know that could do it, they just want too much up front, so we're not going to get anything. Um, you know, I would I would love to go out and do whatever it took to, to sign a million-dollar sponsor and then take the benefits three years down the road for it. Um, 
because that's normally how business works. You know, you don't take all of it up front is you kind of get your foot in the door, like I said, multiple times. And then it, it, you know, the one that got you there, normally you get taken care of later in. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree, man. All right. So we, uh, Sean, any, give us a good action story. You got a good action story for us? Yeah, not really. I didn't bowl action growing up as a kid. Uh, even when I got into college, you know, I bowled until I was in juniors until I was pretty much 21 and uh, went to the Mega Bucks a couple different times and didn't bowl a whole lot of action. I bowled one action match, I think, ever, and that was against Chris Fialli at the Hoinke, um for a couple hundred dollars a game and uh, left a solid nine there in Cincinnati and, and lost the final game. But uh, action has really gone away over the last decade, in my opinion, and even when I started to bowl for a living, uh, you know, I used to drive to Dallas every week to bowl some kind of tournaments, and there just wasn't a whole lot of action. It was just bracket money, and, and that was it. And, uh, you know, I would fire what I think I could make and or what I could spend, but nobody was uh, really bowling a whole lot of action. I, I would say my best match or action thing I could talk about was maybe against Matt O'Grady, at the U.S. Open, God knows how long ago, and, uh, you know, 500 a game and um, basically throwing it at the head pin uh, <laughs> for five or six games. It wasn't even bowling. Uh, and that's what the U.S. Open used to be and kind of what the U.S. Open is now, too. So, um, you know, it, that's kind of the only thing I really bowled was I bowled Matt O'Grady in, at the Carolier because uh, we neither one of us made the cut and looking to have some entertainment. Everybody was drinking and having a good time. And we were yeah, probably sober enough to bowl. <laughs> yeah. I was one of the people in the back drinking and having a good time that night. I appreciate the entertainment. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a good match though. It was a good match. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rob, he's right. Action is not what it used to be. We agree. Yeah. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to br- bring it back somehow. I yeah. Don't know. True. So, Sean, we have some rapid-fire questions here for you before we get you out of here. Uh, to you, who's okay. the best? Who's the best junior slash? Co- we'll give we'll give you some options here. Uh, who's the best junior slash college bowler, in your opinion, that you remember? Oof. In like during college or through all the other things? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, from wherever, from any, from from when we, you know. Any time before you were, we were uh, amateur or professional bowlers. Oh my God! Uh, well, I was one of them for a while. Um, like I, it. I, I like, I like it. You know, people are going to take that. Uh, they're going to think I'm cocky and arrogant. But I had a, I had a pretty good junior <laughs> career. Great, uh, Rory Calgwin, uh, Derek Oaf. Mm, that Oaf. guy could strike, mm, still strike. Mm, that, that's a great answer, um, Sean. That's a great yeah, answer. Game in a while. Yeah, that's and a then, uh, wow. you know, for lefties. You know, talk about left. You know, Ryan Page had a good amateur career there for quite a bit, and, and Andrew Kane. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, and that was Junior Team USA, college bowling. You know, all the kind of things. You know, Bill never made Junior Team USA. You know, Fagan made it once. Um, right. Before it actually started. Um, you know, Brian Hatcher had a pretty good year career, but nothing in college. So, you know, if you look at since Junior Gold started, there was only about a handful of us that kind of did Junior Gold, Junior Team USA, um, 
college bowling kind of thing, and that was it. Yeah, that, that's that's why me and Rob wanted to ask you because we we knew that you competed with and against a, a lot of high level you know, junior and college bowlers. And it's a question we've asked most people that have come on, but uh, yeah, for sure. You, you definitely had a, um, you know, not your average experience of, of competition level for a junior bowler, I would say. Uh, Sean, who's the Yeah, goal? my name would get brought up. I don't know if it's the best, but my name would get brought up. I mean, there's just, there's a handful of 10 guys that their name's going to get brought up and you're going to say, okay, this was the best and this was the best and this was the best. Yeah, true. Everybody has their own answers, definitely. Who who's the goat in your opinion? On the PBA tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forever. Oh, it, it's not even a question. I mean, will Belmo go down as one? Yes. But Walter will go down as the greatest of all time because of his career, his longevity, how many titles he's won. He's won with multiple types of bowling balls, different brands, uh, you name it. Um, is Belmo the greatest in our generation? Absolutely. Um, you know, but at the same time, what Belmo's done, um, you know, with all of his wins, he's probably only won once on a pattern shorter than 40 feet. Um, he's also never won right at 20 with reactive, if, if I can remember correctly. Everything's been with urethane. You look at what Norm Duke and Walter and Earl and and Parker and Pete have done. Um, those those are the top five or six guys I would say that are considered the goats. Uh, they've won with every type of bowling ball, every type of um, you know era, or in every type of era, and every part of the lane. So, um, you know, like I said, Belmo will go down as one of the greatest of all times, uh, but he's never going to be ahead of, in my opinion, unless he. Even if he breaks the record of majors this coming week at 11 and gets to 20 majors, uh, I don't see that happening because I don't see him traveling over here for another decade. Um, respectfully, because he's got a family at home. You know, if he was a single male, then he probably would have a whole bunch of more titles and everything else, and the conversation would be completely different. So, uh, But Walter, in my opinion, goes down as the greatest. Uh, Earl, you know, he started really late in his career and still was able to get to so many titles and so many majors. And then you look at what Norm's still able to, to accomplish at, at 55 now. And, uh, you know, at eight years without winning a title there. And uh, you start thinking of some other guys like Parker and Pete as well. So uh, those would be yeah, my yeah. top five or six, but Walter's my, my goat of all time. Yeah. It's interesting. We, we, we've asked everybody who's come on and, uh, one of the things that Rob and I have noticed is just how uh, people have different perspectives of how to look at that question. And uh, I think, you know, you, you just presented that to us pretty clearly is uh, that there's a, uh, you know, definitely different ways to look at it. Uh, what, what's your favorite ball ever, Sean? Favorite ball ever. Ooh. Um, God, it, it's another, it's kind of like the goat question where there's three or four that kind of just stick out. Uh, the original danger zone, um, shot my first 300 with that ball in, in 1996. Um, even the remake just a few years back was pretty special. Uh, the original Inferno, won my first PBA title with it. Um, the AMF Nighthawk was an unbelievable bowling ball in the, in the late 90s. That was a great uh, ball. I threw that the tour, yeah. The Tour Power, I was just talking to Timmy Mack about the Tour Power and El Nino series that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
Um, the original pulse. Wow. What a great ball. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's just, it's a lot like the goat question. You know, there's five or six that stick out in my era that I've bowled with, uh, the turbo X, um, turbo X and gyro pro, uh, two balls that I, you know, first couple of reactive balls I ever threw in the early nineties. So, um, great bowling balls that loved to, that I love to throw. Man, Rob, he, he just gave us quite a list of balls there, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, those oh, those bring back memories, throwing most pretty much every one of those balls, you know. Yeah, they do bring back a lot of memories, you're right, yeah, for sure. Uh, Sean, what, what would you be doing if you were not bowling for a living? If I didn't bowl for a living? Well, I would have definitely tried out my baseball career, um, see what would have happened there, but my parents owned a very successful real estate business in Alaska. You know, I probably would have taken that over or helped mom and dad and uh, do that and probably still be in Alaska doing that. Uh, to be honest, you know, like I said, Alaska is a, a beautiful country, a uh, beautiful state. Uh, one of the greatest parts of our country uh, got paid to live there with the permanent fund and the oil revenue and everything else. So probably still be up in Alaska. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Gives us, gives us a little piece of your background too. So Sean, we're going to, we're going to give you a statement here, right? Totally anonymous. Don't have to name any names. Totally not. We're going to give you a statement. You can fill it in however you want. It could be negative, positive, whatever you want, right? We're going to give you the statement. You finish it. Here's the statement. There might be a PBA player who finish that statement for us. There might be a PBA player who, Might be a PBA player. Who? <laughs> I, I, the hamster is running in the wheel right now. I could just <laughs> think of all the, all the answers that he could come up with right now. You want a good one, a negative one, whatever. Go hey, whatever direction you want. Whatever direction you want. The better. The juicier, the better. <laughs> Rob, I'm going to keep game. it politically Obviously correct. Game, I'm going to be politically correct. There might be a PBA player who helps our sport gets the recognition it deserves. Hmm. Interesting. Should should we ask him who he's referring to, Rob, or no? Sure. Uh, oh, I'm think not I... referring to anybody because it, no. it's not going to be Jason. It's not going to be Bill. It's not going to be me. Um, it might be the next generation of EJ Tackett and Chris Prather mm, and Marshall King. Mm, I see. Uh, I see where you're going. You got to remember, okay. remember, Jason, myself, Bill, we're all in our mid-30s. Um, Bill and I are uh, you know, multi-time titleists, of course. We live in the United States. I said just a minute ago, I don't think Jason's going to be traveling over here a whole lot longer. Um I would give him a decade at the most. You know, he's got a, a family at home, three kids, being on the road as much as he is. Totally respect him staying home and wanting to be home. Um, and he's been very successful. And, I mean, unless he decides to move over here, but I don't see that happening. But these uh, this next generation of, you know, five, six players that are all in their mid-20s, uh, Anthony Simonson's 22, uh, you know, it just takes one person to – to sign the right contract and get the right sponsor in the door that gets the PBA some recognition that we deserve. And uh, I had that a, uh, a decade ago where I basically had Budweiser at the table 
and unfortunately it fell through. So uh, hopefully it, it doesn't with the next uh, go round. That's a, that's a super interesting answer. That was a really interesting sp- perspective to take on that answer. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we asked that. So Sean, we, we want to get you out of here with this question, man. Uh, wh- what do you want to plug? Obviously you're, you're a Brunswick guy, almost a lifetime Brunswick guy. Um, you envision yourself staying with them for the rest of your career, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, what companies are you repping and, uh, and, and what do you want to put out there? What do you want to plug? We'll give you a minute or two to talk about that. Yeah, no, I've been, like I said earlier, I've been lucky enough to be with Brunswick Bowling Products. Uh, going, this is on my 17th year. Uh, they picked me up while I was in college and I've uh, been forever thankful since. I've uh, been with Vice Grips since my second year of uh, the PBA Tour, so 12 or 13 years now, and then I've been representing Mongoose and, and Genesis over the last couple of years as well. So, uh, And then High Five Gear, the, the official sub-die jersey of the PBA, and the number one leader in, in sub-die jerseys around the country. So uh, I've got some amazing sponsors, uh, people that run those companies, are friends, amazing people. So, yeah, I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon with any of those uh, companies. Uh, but if, you know, another door opens to a, a new chapter, then so be it, it'll happen. So, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Uh, really looking forward to the Masters next week and then the playoffs, of course, and then, you know, a couple months off where we get to travel for the Japan Cup and uh, the PBA League will be in July. And then, uh, you know, the PBA Summer Swing, just kind of want to touch base on that. Uh, my bowling center here in Aurora, Illinois, gets to host it. And, uh, you know, so we'll be giving away multiple titles. A uh, hundred of the best bowlers in the world will be here at the end of August, uh, the 24th to the 31st. And uh, just really looking forward to that. But the best part about that whole event is that uh, I incorporated a free youth clinic uh, last year. And we're going to be doing that again where a couple of pros from each staff um, help me with this. And that's something that uh, just shows how much respect that I have, I guess, with Ebonite and Storm and Motive and, and the Brunswick teams that they help me with their staff players uh, be a part of this and, you know, it's free. You know, a lot of these clinics that are around the country cost money and people can't afford it. So, you know, three hours of free bowling from some of the best players in the world. You just, you want to be there if you can. And do you already have the date set for that clinic, Sean, or is that to be determined? Yeah, no, it's going to be on Sunday, August 25th uh, at 12 o'clock. It'll go for a couple hours and then uh, hopefully they'll stick around and, and watch the pros. The practice session will be that night from five to seven that night. Um, just got a flyer made and uh, we'll be posting that flyer on social media here any day. But uh, yeah, Sunday, August 25th at 12 o'clock and uh, we'll take about a hundred to 150 to 170 bodies. You know, three on a lane is pretty much all you can put in a, in a bowling center and clinic and get, you know, everything done. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's great. Uh, we all, you know, Props to you for giving back to the bowling community and putting that together. And, uh, you know, I've heard in the past that, that the events that you've run, so I know you had some history with that, have been, uh, have been really good and the players enjoy those. But uh, good luck with all that, man. Sean, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing some stories with us and, and kind of uh, exposing a different side of, of the PBA Tour and bowling that the fans don't often get to see. So, uh, again, we just want to say thank you, man, and thank you for your time. It was a really interesting interview, and we uh, 
we definitely want to have you on as a recurring guest in the future, man, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back on. Maybe next time Rob will be awake and can ask a question or something. I'm sure he's still a little sour from his Chicago downtown St. Patty's Day experience. But uh, appreciate you guys having me on, what you're doing for the sport. And uh, I'll send you my invoice uh, as soon as I hang up. You know, over an hour of my time is, whew, man, expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, you can, uh, you, I'm thinking we could figure this out from a game of AC Ducey. And we'll just kind of go from there. No, listen, I'll you tell you what, win, honestly, so. <laughs> honestly me and Rob, we're, we're planning to, uh, to come up to Maine this summer for the PBA team event. So uh, when we're up there, we, we got you, man, no doubt. No, uh, like I said, I'm all joking aside, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. I've been listening to your guys' things. They're great interviews. And uh, I look forward to the next couple of people that you guys got on. Oh, we're going to have some good Thanks, ones, Sean. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Know. <laughs> I appreciate coming on, man, Sean. And yeah, dude, I mean, hey, it was crazy St. Patrick's Day, man. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm just going to sit here and let Mike do his thing while I'm sitting here drinking water, trying not to distract you. So. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, Sean, good good luck at the Masters, man. We appreciate uh, it again. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Sean, man. Go All right, good night, guys. Take it easy. Wow, Rob, that was a great interview, man. Yeah, it was. He uh, While we were uh, uh, doing the interview, he actually sent me a – picture of the junior olympic gold team uh, this is a freaking gem like it's got the pictures wow. and all the descriptions of like everybody sean rash james kowalski michael fagan sean evans and then attending usa bowling officials and coaches yo i'm gonna throw this out on our, on our social media uh, at soup the rack at twitter uh and facebook this sean rash picture looks nothing like him honestly like this is a great one uh all all um, you know, jokes aside about everything, uh, him doing that youth free clinic. Everybody needs to go check that. I, I wish there was something like that close pros for free, especially for free, which is unbelievable. I only live about a half hour from where he's doing this in the uh, the summer swing, so I'll, I'll be definitely checking out uh, everything going on there for a few days. But uh, you know, he's definitely Sean is, is is a man for the industry. He loves bowling. Yo, he wants to give back to the bowling community. Um, him, his answer about the outside sponsors. Yo, that's such a that's such a big issue that I, I want to table that for another podcast because I'd like to spend more time going in, into that. But it's such a great, like, intelligent answer that kind of has to happen for the PBA. Yeah, I agree. I think he hit the nail right on the head. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll we'll come back to that, like you said. That'll definitely yeah. be something that we get into. But I, I, I thought that was one of the uh, the best answers that he gave us tonight in that interview was just talking about where he thinks the the PBA needs to go in terms of, of building the momentum that they have right now. So, uh, yeah, another great interview. All right, Rob, uh, we, have a, we have a flat 10. We have a flat 10 for the people tonight. Do you want to get into our flat 10? I absolutely would love to do it. So let's, let's, let's roll it to do it. Let's go. Like. But we went flat 10. So, Rob, our flat 10 tonight is bowling ball names that we would like to see. Hypothetical bowling ball names that do not exist that we would like to see. Okay? Oh, this so, is going to be awesome. So I will let you go first. You, you can give me the first of your uh, five. You get five. I get five. You can give me the first of your five bowling ball names. 
All right. First bowling ball name is going to be the Columbia Mop with Haas Technology. It's going to be a picture Columbia of a mop. mop. It's going to be a picture of a mop on the side of the ball. And it's going to be like, yo, mop, I just struck a lot with this mop, mop. With some, with some, with some Haas technology. Well, Haas has to have the Haas technology. That's on that going to be on the flyer, too. Okay. All right. PA is going to spoke snow. PA is going to be the one that's going to be on the flyer because that's going to be the PA ball. So PA is going to be the, the main advertising on that, the mop. Okay, so my first ball is is storm specific. Okay, has to be made by storm, and my first ball would be the shit storm, and it would be made by storm. And they have the smell technology, so I think it should also smell like poop when they make it. Yeah, you know, I saw a bunch of people in St. Patty's Day yesterday that seemed like they were sponsored by the shit storm because. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it would be awesome. Like, people could be like, yeah, I'm throwing the shit storm. Yeah, you know? that should be. <laughs> this is great. What are you throwing? I'm throwing a shit storm here. All oh, right, what's your, what's your next one, Rob? You got four left. What's your next one? The next one is going to be um, more on a serious note. I think I, I like storm when they were actually naming their bowls after storms. So, like, the shit storm would be good. Um, I like to see them make a blizzard pearl, white pearl with blue. Almost like what the ice, the storm, remember they had that spare ball, the ice, what that looked like, but actually make it a high performance and call it the Blizzard Pearl. I think that would be an awesome ball and it would look great. Okay, so you're kind of you're going for the look on that one more so there. Okay. My yeah, next yeah. one kind of plays off of my last one. It doesn't have to be storm specific, this one, but they could take it if they want and, and do a whole series. So you could have a ball named the shit. And then you could have a second ball in that series named the dipshit, right? <laughs> so, like, someone could be like, yo, this ball, the shit is the shit, right? Because that, that would be a really good ball. And then for the dipshit, it could, it could be a ball where, like, you know, you bowl and you use the wrong ball all day. And, and then at the end of the day, someone's like, how'd your day go? And you could be like, oh, dipshit just should have used the dipshit. So I, I give a series there, back to back. But and Storm could do the shit Storm, and then maybe the dipshit after that. That would be good. All right. So what's your third one, Rob? The third one is going to be named after your Big Mike's Twitter account. After our interview with last week with Bill, we're going to call it the Troll, and then we're going to have Hammer sponsor. I like that one. I like that yeah. one. Okay, it's going to be a All picture right, of definitely the Troll. Yeah, I would definitely be pushed in that one. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, my next one is is a collaboration between bowling and music, and it would have to be Brunswick specific, but it would be the Killer B, the Killer B, K I L L A, Killer B from Brunswick, featuring none other than Wu Tang. So instead of the Brunswick B, there would be the Wu Tang W. And obviously the ball would be black and yellow, and it would be the killer B because it's Brunswick, Brunswick killer B. Kill B. Okay, cool. Well, you know, protect your neck, Wu Tang, Wu Tang. That's right. That's right. Um, my next one would be. I was a big fan of the uh, ceramic core back in the '90s. Was it? It was like the '80s, '90s. Uh, pretty sure it was the '90s. Like what? Like you think like '94, '95 when the 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 piranhas and the um, yeah, for sure. 
Cuda C. I, I, they need to come out with the lobster C. I mean, the lobster is a is, is a great, great. Just in general, like it's got claws. You could eat it. I mean, it's got everything going for it. So, lobster C. But C. The other the other balls they named after fish. They you couldn't eat. Like people don't eat piranha. They don't really eat cuda. You know, but this is hey, this is my ball. So I'm calling it the lobster C, and it's going to have a ceramic core. So. And it's going to and be. And it has to be red, right? It has to be red. Yeah, it'll be red, but it might be like a lighter red than the uh, than the the Cuda Sea was. But you know, and then of course after the solid lobster sea, I mean you're going to have to make a pearl lobster sea because well that one could be the blue lobster because I see these these viral videos go around of these blue lobsters that get caught. So maybe you could have the lobster sea would be the red lobster and the lobster sea pearl would be the blue lobster. After that being uh, very successful. Then the next ball after that is going to be the lobster tail. See, okay. My next one is very simple. It's the OG, and it has nothing to do with the famous OG in bowling, Matt O'Grady. It's just OG, as in original gangster, because you know some of us are OGs out there out here in the bowling community, and uh, some OGs would like to throw a ball called the OG. So very simple there. What's your last one, Rob? You know you've had the Pumas, you've had the Beasts. The lions, the stingrays. Uh, I'm going with the donkey. The jackass. The jackass, the donkey. And here's the thing is, is like, if you imagine this ball, imagine this ball is awesome. This reaction is amazing, right? And it's called the donkey, right? Like, it's just kind of funny because, like, you know, the terminology in bowling when, when you're terrible is like you donked it off or, you know, look at his look at his donkey bowling. Like, I just think naming a, a ball after a donkey would be would be awesome, and I would buy it. Okay. Uh, my last one is Philly specific. The listeners oh, yeah. out there have been paying attention. They know that I'm from Philly, and and when you're from Philly, Philly kind of has a little bit of their own vocabulary. So you know, people might think this one is a little bit weird, but this word actually made the dictionary recently. So you can look it up if you don't believe me. But uh, the the last ball name that I have, the top one for me, would be a ball called That John. And John is spelled J-A-W-N. And the ball will be called That John. And, and John is a word used in Philadelphia that's basically a noun. And it can mean anything or everything. It can also sometimes be used as an adjective. And, uh, yeah, you, you might hear phrases like, if, if the ball's really good and it's working good that day, you might hear phrases like, that John is that John. And I would just really I would just really enjoy that because the more John I have in my life, the better off I am is generally the way that I view it. So, uh, well, Rob, listen, we'll, we'll let the people decide, all right? People, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think of our flat 10 and, and what ball name you like the best or who you think had the better half of the list. But uh, I gotta say, you know, uh, I wanna I wanna throw that John. So I'm just gonna. You know, if you're from Philly, then you might want to name the bowling ball the Batteries because instead of throwing them at Santa, they could throw them at the pins. I'm not gonna discuss stereotypes on this on this program. <laughs> All right, well that's that's, that's our flat ten. Like. <laughs> <laughs> But we left the flat 10. 
All right, Rob, we got to wrap it up quickly here. Uh, we don't have much to talk about, though. We had our bonus episode on Friday night. We kind of recapped the World Series and where things stand. Uh, since we had that wrap-up show, the World Championship show has been decided, though. So we wanted to talk quickly about that. You got Belmonte, McNeil, O'Neill, Buttriff, and more. And for Belmo, it's his third major in a row as the number one seed. What, where, where are we going with this, Rob? Uh, I mean – it, it was awesome to watch on Flow Bowling. Uh, Shout-outs to Flow Bowling. Did a great job this week. Uh, they actually looked like they had more coverage on pairs. So we were able to to follow along a lot of the match play. Uh, you know, and I'm, you know, uh, big, a big fan of, obviously, Bill. So we were watching a lot of him. But, uh, you know, I think Belmo gets it this week. But I would love to see a Belmo-O'Neal final. Uh, you know, I love McNeil, man. Great, great dude. Spoke to, I just had actually... Uh, pretty good conversations with him at the TAT uh, when I was there a few months ago because he was running the uh, the Roto Grip. He was uh, working for them out there. And I uh, love loved seeing him on the show, new face out there, uh, great bowler, great kid. Uh, but uh, I would love to see a Belmo O'Neill final. I mean, I think that, Mike, would, would be best-case scenario for us as bowling fans. Yeah, I, I would love to see that personally. I mean, I think that would be a great match. And, uh, you know, between two guys that are obviously friends, but, you know, put that friendship aside when they go out there and compete. Uh, you know, shout the flow bowling, you're right. And actually, Rob, I, I may have mentioned this before, but I think what determines how many pairs they have covered is is the uh, internet bandwidth availability in the building they're in. So that has something to do with it. So if we see a change there, uh, that may explain it. But, yeah, shout the flow bowling, and I watched basically Bill's whole block uh, Saturday afternoon in that final block of match play, and I got to say, man, he really bowled his way to the show. I mean, he he beat every guy that was ahead of him. He doubled in a lot of 10th frames. The lanes were not easy. They were very challenging. Uh, you know, Belmo, he, he's, you know, he's in Freddy Krueger mode, man. It's just crazy. It's scary. It's just scary. He's, he's, he's Jason on Friday the 13th. You know, the, the the guy just goes out and, and just does his thing, and, and, and he's at the top almost in every event. So he's going to bowl for another major title and have another crack at breaking the record. Uh, he's also, and whoever he faces, going to have a crack at the million dollars. I know that you think that's laughable, but I would like to see somebody at least make a run at it. Uh, so, yeah, we have that show on Thursday night. Looking forward to it. So, not only uh, do we have that show on Thursday night, but Rob, we still have the uh, match play and the finals of the three pattern championships. And those are going to take place on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. We're taping this on Sunday. So uh, four live shows this week, Rob, four no. live bowling shows, four, four nights of live bowling. I'm hype about this. What do you want to say? Uh man, I mean, Bill, Bill, on paper, could literally make every show at the World Series right now, which is which is crazy to think about, right? Sick. I mean, he could. We talked about it on Friday. He 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 could put himself in a position to be competing for Player of the Year here at the end of this week. Could you imagine if he? I don't even want to even. I don't want to cloud him. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Good luck to Bill this week and everybody else bowling the match play. But, yeah, it's a lot of bowling. Uh, I'm going to try to keep up as much as I can with my busy schedule. That Thank thank God Flow Bowling has uh, an app that you could stream it and watch it wherever you are. 
I, I know I'll, I'll be pretty much walking around with my phone. I'm going to be that guy literally pissing in the urinal, like in, in my work watching bowling while I'm pissing. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be watching each night. Uh, I have league one night on Tuesday night. Shout to shout to shout to everybody in my sport league. Uh, but I'm <laughs> sure there might, it might be on uh on a TV or two. And if it's not, I'll probably be, uh, be streaming it on some kind of technology, but yeah, all the other nights I plan to be home. I'm kind of setting my, my dinner menu around bowling this week. Uh, I'm thinking one night's going to be maybe like some meatball sandwiches so I could snack on those while I eat. And maybe another night I'm going to do some chicken wings for dinner so I can have some wings while I watch bowling one night. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm hyped for the shows. I can't wait to see what happens Thursday night. Uh, there might be some plans in the works with Team O'Neill, Rob. I you know we might be getting together with Team O'Neill to uh, to celebrate and see what goes down. So, really excited about that. It's a big week for the PBA. We hope everybody enjoys the the finals of these tournaments. We hope everybody uh, we we hope everybody enjoys the live shows. And uh, Rob, we may be checking in with the people later on this week after some of these live shows have taken place. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we have so much to cover that I, I don't think we could do it on one show. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe we might be uh, throwing in a little, a little extra this week, too. All right, excellent. So, uh, Rob, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to get out of here. Uh, everybody follow us on social media, at Sweep the Rack on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look us up. Email us at SweepTheRack at Gmail if anybody wants to get in touch with us, if you want to come on. Uh, players who are out there, people in the bowling world, any anybody out there that's interested in being a guest, DM us, shoot us an email. It's not that hard to get in touch with us. Uh, look for us on iTunes. We're on there. And, uh, Rob, our, our poll question for this week is going to be, who is your pick to win the world championship, Belmo or the field? Belmo Ooh. or the field? Who do, who, who do you got, Rob? You know, I'm going to take Belmo. I just I feel like he's he's on another – well, what'd you, what'd you call it? Freddy Krueger mode? Yeah, it's scary. I know. I feel like he's completely on Freddy Krueger mode right now. And uh, watching him this week was uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's just you, when you when you think he can't impress you anymore, he does. And it's just sick. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I, I think I'll take the field. I, I don't I think uh, I think it's possible that his struggles in that top spot on TV can uh, can possibly continue here. So, and obviously, I'm being a homer and rooting for Bill. No, no, no disrespect to Belmo, but you know, I got to stick with close one. Close one, right? Bill and Belmo win a close one. Goes down to the ten frame. True, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, we'll look for that. And uh, everybody, listen, have a good week, and we'll catch up with you later this week. Rob, take it easy, man. All right, peace. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob.